Welcome, everyone, to the Economy Ninja Podcast. This is your host, Colin Nordman. I hope that everybody's been enjoying the content that I've been bringing so far. In this next segment, Dan and I are going to discuss the humanitarian cases for blockchain. And again, we're not financial advisors, and this is not financial advice. But on to the content. I hope you enjoy it. When you look at Africa, the the use of digital currencies in African nations is only going to just ex- continue to explode. Nigeria already is one of the biggest users of digital currencies. And I don't think very many people realize this, but Nigeria is one of the most populous countries in the world already. And its population growth is going to continue. There'll be a top five country in population size within the next 20 years. So like they, they are going to be a more populous country than the United States probably by 2050, which is insane. That's absolutely insane. So you think of that many people uh, and it, 50 years ago, we look at like the pop, you know, the percentage of people that were bank, underbanked or unbanked in the world and it was astronomical and it's slightly less astronomical now but in the future with digital currencies as long as the internet is more widely available which seems that it's going that way then digital currencies fill this fill this void that's existed for the entire history of humanity and (laughs) you talk about adoption and super cycles of adoption like Oh, yeah. it's we're going to bring an entire insane. continent. Yeah, we're bringing it's- an entire continent online. If you think about, you know, I can't remember what the statistic is, but a couple of years ago, I know that a substantial portion of the planet did not have internet access, like a big percentage, like more than 25%. So imagine those people aren't living in the most uh, stable governments, have the best banking systems, right? So like when you bring them online and then give them an option. So your dollars are not inflating anymore. You can do whatever you want. You have this, this asset that can sit here and it's stable and it'll, you know, it preserve your value or increase in value, or you can, you just get a, a, a USD coin, right. And just hold dollars and not have to worry about, you know, whatever your local currency is, you know, like that's going to bring a lot of power to nations that don't have a lot of power, right. When you control the economics, you control the system and you're going to, bring i think a lot of humanitarian benefits uh are going to come along with blockchain right you're going to be able to reduce uh you know corruption substantially so you know that's that's one of the most exciting things that i can see about it and then when you think about like you're talking about bringing on entire continents here and uh yeah you look at the market cap of uh, any of these cryptocurrencies and the number looks big right but it is a smaller number than a well-sized company, right? If you look at Bitcoin market cap, uh, last I looked at is like $360 billion, right? Last time I looked at Apple, it was 2.1 trillion, right? So Bitcoin's not even as big as Apple, yet the access to Bitcoin is substantially more, right? And people aren't, you know, going to be giving away their bitcoins if they're they're going up substantially and the number of bitcoins in relation to the number of people the whole thing is just uh it's it's tough to peg right like 
coming up with a number lands you anywhere between where we're at and, you know, everybody's going to be rich that's currently holding it. So it's, uh, it is quite, quite the, quite the, the ride. How is this year different uh, than it has been in the past? And I, I would say to the point of what, you know, what money is and what are the faults of the, the monetary systems around the world, I think that this year just shined a light on what is a continuation of the 2008-2009 financial, great financial crisis, the cracks that showed up there uh, and how papering over them hasn't really solved anything. It's the same reason why Bitcoin was was created in the first place. It was you know, seen as born out of frustrations of, of all of the flaws in the monetary system and what we had, which was closest to a sound financial and monetary system prior to 1971, while the United States was still on a gold standard in the world, had its fiat uh, currencies pegged to uh, the US dollar. So they were still technically on a gold standard. When that all ended in 1971, it's been the start of the largest fiat experiment in the world's history. And that showed that that's basically been the point where you have the rising uh, wealth inequalities because capital flows, they, they don't really have to be based in uh, sound uh, financial responsibility. You know, there's no accountability from a government perspective and from uh, company perspective the same way there was back when there was a gold standard and not that Bitcoin is actually going to solve or not that it does solve any of the problems of the monetary system, but it creates that that fair playing field since our money isn't based on anything now. And even when it was based on gold, gold doesn't really have any other utility other than it was seen to be valuable when monetary systems were first created to kind of, uh, you know, divorce from bartering, like it didn't matter what was used as currency. You had like seashells, you had different types of, you know, sticks and straws, and then eventually metals and gold, but it never really mattered what it was. It, the only thing that mattered was that everybody agreed that they could use whatever it was that they were using to transact. So that's why, you know, fiat currencies have continued to work because people believe that it continues to work. Uh, but there's no, there's no stopping the generation of that. So there's, it's just a continued increase in the money supply and there's numerous reasons for why, but it, it continues to be an endless game of debasement of fiat currencies worldwide. And that's why, Gold will likely do just fine, but Bitcoin will likely do much better because it's a, it's growth and adoption as an alternative for a fair, uh, you know, fair monetary system is just like the the sky's the limit, and it's it's scary how how ridiculous it, it could explode. Yeah, I think uh, something that you you said that's important is that uh, you know Bitcoin's not the solution to a messed up monetary system. It's an alternative, right? It's not like we're going to be going out and buying coffee with bitcoins. No way, 
Uh, I have no intention of buying a coffee with a Bitcoin and turning around in 10 years and realizing that I just spent $30,000 on a coffee one day, uh, much like people who used to buy pizzas for three Bitcoins. And now that's $60,000 pizza. You better enjoyed it. Uh, so like, I, I think that's important and that's what brings in, I guess, the central bank coin, right? And how does that fix the system or can it even, right? When you actually have personalized interest rates for your money, right? If you own a house, they can give you a different interest rate and they can really induce that, that inflation in a very specific way where you don't have the current inefficiencies of trying to get money to people where it all just ends up in corporations and companies, right? So if, if we're going to get out of this cycle, which everybody says, oh, we're just, we just, are able to push it a little bit further. There's no reset, right? We haven't really experienced a debt reset for, I can't even tell you the last time it's occurred. So it's, it's, uh, it, if we're going to avoid a reset, we need a different technology to run it on. And how do you get out of it? You kind of have to inflate your way out of it. And how do you do it without causing super inefficiencies? How do you actually get it to the people that need it? You need something that's very personalized. The only way to do that is a central bank coin, right? So that's, pretty much a guarantee at this point that America will have one eventually. I think India has one. I think Europe's currently talking about putting one in and they're moving quick. And it, it, it adds a lot of power to a government, right? When they can actually monitor the flow of all their dollars real time and real time transaction settlement. And you don't have all these, you know, like delayed, uh, you know, zeroing out the balance sheets of each individual company and making sure all the dollars still work and these overnight lending systems and all this stuff that seems to always have all these problems. And you'll get away with that with real-time settlement of all the transactions and personalized interest rates so you can support the people you need to, right? But the question is, how does that system and you know, uh, uh, the Bitcoin system work together, right? Because in reality, you have a fiat system still, which is you know, the central bank coin, and you're gonna have a reserve uh, value system, which is gonna be your Bitcoin system, right? So, in my opinion, the when people realize that all their dollars are a cryptocurrency of some sort, uh, you know, that makes the transition from, you know, the central bank coin to the Bitcoin a lot easier. Right now, you have delayed adoption because they imagine their dollars as, you know, these paper things that kind of float around or this thing that sits in the bank and the transaction or the conversion between those two things, you know, though easier than it was in 2017, is still kind of challenging. Right. You have to you have to know what you're doing and spend at least. a. I would say if you want to understand it, and be secure in your transaction. You're probably going to spend a couple hours reading about it before you do it, which that opportunity cost is still pretty high for a guy who doesn't really care, or know about it, taking care of two kids at home. You know, like, you know, they, they worked nine, 10, 12 hours today and you know, they got the maybe maybe they're having trouble just finding free time. You know, it's just one more thing. And. You know, you hear stories every day about the about the guy, and I have one myself that sat there in 2013. It was like, oh, Bitcoin, this sounds cool. I'd like to buy a couple. Looked at it, pulled it up. You know, like this is complicated. Shut their computer and walked away. Right. You know, I I know at least five people myself that have that same story. Right. And though that's less now, it still exists. But once you have the central bank coin, you know, the ability to switch those dollars around is a lot higher. Right. Uh, it, it allows for my dad you know, 56 years old to switch out his, his USD for a, a Bitcoin. And it really just, you know, it solidifies this in his mind that maybe it's not a scam. Maybe it's something that needs to be done, right? So it, it increases adoption and PayPal was a big move towards that, but my dad doesn't use PayPal, 
right? He uses a bank account. And when your bank account can, you know, switch out for Bitcoin super easily, he's going to own some most likely. So I think, I think that's, that's the real benefit. Central bank coins, do they help Bitcoin? I think the answer is yes, they do. Right. And I think that's how you're going to really drive adoption and acceptance of it. And once you have acceptance, you have price appreciation. Once you have good enough price appreciation where big companies can start buying them because the market cap is so small right now, it's hard for these companies, these pension funds to buy this stuff. You know, that's where you can have the big runaway effect. Right. And then think about demographics. You know, you think about the fact that most people think it's a scam and of the people that think it's a scam, the majority of those people are those that didn't really grow up in a tech age, right? They were at the very, very beginning of it and they're extremely skeptical of it, but I don't know, you know, many people younger than me that are extremely skeptical of it. I know, you know, a couple of people that think they know about finance and say that it's a scam, you know, they, they compare it to tulips or whatever, but it's much different. And, and, and once, and once you have the demographics change over, you'll also, have a lot of that acceptance because that money, you know, the majority of the money in the nation is hold, held by baby boomers right now. And that's going to flow to people that do accept a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin. So these two things put together, I think just changing demographics and the acceptance of it as real money, it, it gives it too much potential to take off. So that's all for this segment. If you're enjoying the content, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and we hope to see you in the next segment. Have a good day.